Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to the London News Blue. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast, a podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by World Soccer Shop. Head over to worldsoccershop.com for the official London is Blue Chelsea gear It's the best around. So we've got the whole team back together for yet another episode. And, well, we all made sure to digest the Chelsea match this morning with some brunch. Nick, you've got a solid brunch game. So what did you have? Yeah, solid solid is uh, the truth there. Uh, Did some biscuits and gravy after the match, uh, which was a delight. Had to have some bacon as well. Uh, Dan, anything on your end that was uh, particularly interesting? Yeah, we went for a little uh, Mexican flair so there were mm-hmm. some uh there's actually some duck and uh, fried oyster tacos and a uh interesting take on a bloody mary like uh was used like a tomatillo uh salsa mm-hmm. or kind of uh instead of the traditional like red tomato interesting well very very interesting you guys have that nice little you know extra culture down there in the southeast i guess yeah you know it was a little homey a little southern you know, a little uh, you know mexican it was all good it's good mixture awesome 
I was just plain Jane, went with some French toast, nothing crazy. But, you know, after sitting through 90 minutes of, of what we had today, I had I felt like I needed something a little sweeter, you know, put a little better taste in my mouth, if you will. True. Well, it is my turn this week to read the reviews on iTunes. And I tell you what, all of you listeners stepped up big time. You actually helped us pass a milestone as well. So we want to thank all of 100 of you. 100 plus of you that left a review in iTunes and the US store. Uh, it means a lot to us. It really helps bring us legitimacy and increases our visibility rank in the iTunes store. So, like, honestly, guys, thank you so, so much for that. This week, we have GRAS10, M Martin0912, Nittany96, Ryan underscore Green, Excelsior, Five Forward System, and at Mel Buck Pitt. We had, uh, well, I think we had a haiku as well, Dan. Yeah, uh, Five Forward System had uh, Blue is the Color. This podcast has so much game. Sometimes a dog barks, which would be my dogs. So mm-hmm. uh, apologies for them because uh, it's, it's very hard <laughs> to contain two corgis for 90 to uh, 120 minutes sometimes as we uh, record. <laughs> It's, uh, you know, it's something we're working on. No, I'm just kidding. Well, let's go ahead and uh, just kick this podcast off with a really exciting opportunity we have for all of you listeners. In case you didn't listen to part two last week, you have no idea what we've got to offer. Uh, Nick, what do we have? So, yeah, we have partnered with World Soccer Shop to honor Frank Lampard, Dan, with a uh, with a Frank Lampard kit, the last one that you'll uh, be able to get in, in the Chelsea colors. And and how would a person go about entering this contest to get a jersey of their size? Yeah, just another opportunity to go to uh, at London Blue Pond and check out our pinned post, or you can go to our Instagram account. It's the uh, link in the bio there. But it's another opportunity to just fill out a couple quick questions, uh, email, first name, last name, all that good stuff that you already know the answers to. And they'll give you an opportunity to potentially win one of these awesome jerseys for Frank Lampard. Yeah, so if you uh, if you have any questions or need a clarification or something, uh, just hit us up on Twitter and we will take care of that for you, Brandon. As always, those fans, you can email us, Facebook us, Instagram us. We're all over the place uh, because we love engaging with you all. But We've got to get to the nuts and bolts of this episode. Match review time, Burnley FC. Obviously, another Premier League match. We headed over to Turf Moor. I'm sure we've all heard so much about this place where Burnley, well, it's the only place Burnley can apparently get points this season. The match is this past Sunday. Blues won, Clarets won as well. Dan, lineup time as always. What do we have? Isn't this going to be just one of the moments where you play the, the recording that I did for the previous match? I can. We can just ready. Cut, we, we can face. just do that because it's <laughs> uh, it's Courtois. It's Aspilicueta, Luis, Cahill. Move forward, Moses, Conte, Matic, Alonso. Move forward, Pedro, Costa, Hazard. And you know, I think the only thing that people had maybe some concern around from a, an injury standpoint or maybe a rotational standpoint was the Matic-Fabregas situation. Fabregas does get in as a substitute, comes in at the 67th minute. You also get the opportunity for William to make an appearance, subbing in at the 72nd minute for Victor Moses. And then you got Batuayi, minutes for Mishi, 87th minute. Uh, so he got about uh, about seven minutes to his name today. I guess, you know, one thing I thought was pretty interesting, though, Nick, is our bench outside of Begovic is really young. Like, William and Fabregas are the two old guys on that bench. 
Yeah, they're they're not even thirty. So uh, Shaloba, Batshuayi, um, Ake, Zuma. That is a a bright looking future right there. Um, and and very excited to uh, to have all those guys on the squad. I think when you when you are able to get experience traveling for an entire season, going through the whole grind, Dan, of of what this means to potentially win a title and and see all the work that goes into it. I think it makes these guys even more viable threats to become big-time Premier League players. Yeah, you probably would have seen either Ake or Zuma on the bench if uh, Terry had been fit. He did pick up a little bit of an ankle injury uh, in training this week. A so little bit. That, that, yeah, it, it had to be sewn back together. So <laughs> His whole ankle had to be reassembled, it looked like. It was pretty he's, gnarly. He's the bionic uh, player now, right? So he's, uh, he's more uh, machine than man. And <laughs> so he uh, you know, he definitely was not an option today, but he probably would have slotted in before Aki Arzuma. Well, we had two goals, obviously, as we noted earlier. The first one, Pedro, in seven minutes. I mean, Nick, we just jumped out to an early lead. Everything looked like it was going great. Who would have thought this would have been our last shot on goal at the seven-minute mark? Yikes. Yeah, um, pretty pretty rough uh, after that, but a pretty awesome start for the team. I was actually impressed with the way they came out in this game. Uh, you would have thought that Burnley would have started off stronger, but they didn't. We came out and really took it to them. We're in their half for the first 10, 15 minutes of this game. And uh, I think the major thing that I would look at with that um, was that Hazard had an early chance. Pedro scored his chance. Then we had a, a couple others as well. You bury one of those other ones, and this, this whole game changes. But it was a very good goal for Pedro. It was another great clinical counterattack from Chelsea. Uh, just executed really well. Unfortunately, in the 24th minute, Brady for um, you know Burnley, who just arrived as well uh, in, the, in the January transfer window, Dan. He executed really well off the free kick. I mean, Courtois, seeing the picture, I can't believe he got as high as he did. And he said, even in the post-match you know, interview, he said, I got a touch on it, but it just wasn't enough. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was rooting for a Brady uh, this past weekend, and he brought me quite jo- amount of joy. And uh, this weekend, I was not rooting for a Brady to do well, and uh, he he netted a, a wonderful free kick there, kind of off a a Matic foul, uh, very very close to the uh, the edge of the box, giving them prime position to you know really exploit off a of a set piece. And I actually looked at it, it was I think it's a first. Um, First set piece goal that Courtois uh, conceded since fourteen fifteen. Yeah, wow. it's something crazy. One of the like free um, kick set piece goal. Yeah, one of the journalists after the match asked if uh, Sean Dyche had known that Chelsea essentially hadn't given up a goal for free kick in like a couple years, and he said, "Really? That's real? Like that just happened?" He's like, "Oh, well, then in that case, we practice these all week. Yeah, we definitely knew that was a point we wanted to attack them on." You know, obviously in jest, but it if it surprised Sean Dice that much, I mean, it is a really, really impressive record that Chelsea have been good about not fouling in dangerous positions this season. And unfortunately, the ball got stuck under Maddich's legs. He's trying to get a hold of it, and it he just brought him down. Um, it, it, it was tough. It was tough to see, obviously. But let's go ahead and use this to transition into the actual match. So what happened, Nick? I mean, should we just leave it at that or here? Let me, let me help. 
So you talked a little bit last week about how Chelsea might struggle this week coming off two huge matches versus Arsenal and then Liverpool. So was it purely just down to Chelsea not being technical enough in front of goal or maybe something different you saw? Probably a combination of both those things, to be honest with you. I, I really looked at this game as a struggle for this team. And whereas, you know, I still think if we played it 10 times, we'd probably win seven of those. Uh, we just didn't have it today, to be honest with you. And I, Dan and I were talking before this, um, you know, we're, and we'll get into some of the, the trolling that happens on Twitter every time we drop points. But, uh, you know, I think you just have to, on one hand, say that we could have played a, a hell of a lot better, uh, especially in the second half. And on the other hand, you just kind of have to tip your hat to Burnley. And and I, you know, I, I know it's a foreign concept to to have to, you know, credit an opponent when they play well, but you know, they do play well. I think Sean Dyche is an underrated manager and they have a system. It's not a beautiful system. It doesn't take your breath away, but uh, they have a system and they stick with it. And, uh, you know, I have to be, I have to be honest and just, you know, kind of applaud them for the way they play at home. It's tough to go up there and win. Uh, and we at least we got a point out of it, even even though we didn't play well. We wouldn't be the first big team to not pick up all three points there this season, you know. But Dan, as Nick talks about this, lots of fans are ringing the alarm bells. It's a ten point lead today, which is before the City match. They have to travel to Bournemouth on Monday, so let's, you know, for argument's sake, assume it will be reduced to seven points uh, or eight points. Eight points. I apologize. Yeah. So. How worried are you with 13 matches left? You know, I, I, I don't know. I guess I'm the fan that worries every time they take the pitch. That uh, So I don't know if that's the, the right question to ask. I think the question is, do you have confidence in, in Conte and in the players to negotiate the right amount of points over the remaining matches? Because, you know, I think to uh, all the credit, that uh, you know Conte you know has and, and the things that he's established this season, uh, you know he is also taking yes a team that primarily was the core of people that won a championship in fourteen fifteen that then were in tenth place in fifteen sixteen uh, to help them excel again. You know we're, we're not you know a team full of, of of world beaters, and you know I think we saw today that the the depth. You know, when you can only go to Fabregas and when Fabregas doesn't work or misfires a little bit, that you don't maybe have a full bag of tricks to pull from. And so I, I think it's going to be a, a tough march to the end. And, you know, you think about what we've seen recently, the past couple of seasons, you know, we're, we're going to need to, you know, be over 80 points, um, you know, really to secure this title. And that means at this point, we need, we need 20, at least, at least 20 more points out of the next 13 games. And, we definitely have gotten probably the, some of the most difficult matches out of the way already. Um, you know, we've already done Liverpool twice. We've already done Spurs twice. Uh, we have City coming up on uh, the return trip to us. Uh, we have the trip away to Old Trafford. And so we, we have an enviable fixture list ahead. And so I think if someone is running for the hills or – tapping on the keyboard and just absolutely in, in meltdown mode, uh, the reactor core in your head, my, my brother or my sister has gone off way too early. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the, the really quick, the one thing I would say here is if you asked anybody in the Premier League, which defense is harder to play against Arsenal or Burnley, like any smart person would tell you, Brandon, that it's Burnley. Burnley has a much more solid core. They know their tactical discipline. They don't go on, crazy tangents or get away from their game plan very often. And when they do, they get smoked. 
So when they stick to their game plan and they're solid and they're resolute, two things that everyone credits Chelsea for being as well, that it's somehow, you know, we, we have to sound the alarms. That's not the case at all. Like we've struggled recently against Hull. We struggled, uh, you know, when Liverpool high press, when Tottenham high press, uh, and, and they play great games against us. You know, th- there is some cause for concern, but it doesn't mean that we're, you know, any less than we were going into this game. And we still have to win this thing uh, going into the end of the year. You know, it's funny, too. You look at the fact that, you know, Joey Barton, you know, you, you love him, hate him or hate him. Um, you know, <laughs> on Twitter after the match, you know, commented, he said, you never know in the Premier League, uh, but I can't see anybody else getting them. They just have too much quality. Um, you know, so, I mean, for a player who played in the game, um, who potentially almost played himself out of the game, you know, to kind of make those comments and to, to share from their perspective. Uh, ultimately, that's a perspective I might take a little bit more seriously than uh, some of the other perspectives from, you know, pundits, even us in that regard, because ultimately we're not on the pitch and we're not watching it happen in, you know, first person view like a video game, like we're watching it from the sidelines and we're only commentating, spectating uh, on what we can see. I think ultimately if people writing off the season or kind of, you know, wanting, you know, things to be blown up or, you know, massive kind of rotational changes, a, there's not enough players to do a mass rotation change right now. And there's not a window to June. So uh, buckle up. Um, and, and again, there's 13 games and some of the most difficult pieces of our fixture list are already done and dusted. Yeah. It, it just goes back to a reactionary uh, you know, comments and feedback. Obviously, we've been learning over the years that we've been doing this podcast that it doesn't pay to just take one result and decide the rest of the season on. So the next few fixtures, we've got Swansea at home, West Ham away, Watford at home, Stoke away, Palace at home. Then we have City at home. If you can pick up maximum points going into City before we hit City, we're going to have obviously a really, really strong position, a leverage. Uh, the other thing is after that, you know, you've got City, home, Bournemouth away, United away. Then you're back to, you know, the end of the season, essentially the end of April to the end of May, the last four weeks. And Chelsea are going to be in a good position. So the fact that really haven't dropped points a whole lot this season at all and are you know, title challengers have been volatile this season. I mean, the second team through sixth place is nuts. They are literally fighting themselves for fourth, uh, let alone trying to catch us. I think that people are way more concerned with getting a Champions League spot than catching Chelsea at this point. So we're still in a very, very enviable position. Again, the biggest lead of any of the top leagues in Europe. And that's saying a lot, uh, you know, coming off of the season we had last year. Don't forget that fans like we are in a much, much better place and we're just going to ride it out. But, you know, to drop points once away at a team who's done so fantastic this season playing at home, um, that's not going to alarm me and that's not going to be a big scare for me. If we're talking about dropping points to Crystal Palace or Sunderland, you know, or someone of that caliber team, then I think we have a cause for concern. I just really quickly, though, and and I, I think it's a good call out because, you're looking at this fixture list and, you know, of any of our opponents, it's, it's the best for, for the person who is absurdly worried about today's result and thinks that 
we're on the decline or that Diego Costa is never going to score a goal again, or, you know, all of these like fan fiction things. Uh, what I, what I would tell you is that we have largely, since we've started this podcast, had a very reasonable audience to kind of come home to really. And, you know, I would hope that it stays that way because it's just, you know, we had so much to complain about last season that it almost became routine. It was just kind of like, we'd come into the podcast, do the script and be like, Here's another negative thing to say about Ed Nazard or man, that Diego Costa really isn't living up to the billing. You know, it's just like the same stuff every week. Now, now, Brandon, we're spoiled. This team has, has done so well this year. I would just hope that people keep this all in perspective. Don't go on Twitter trolling and being Arsenal-ish in your, in your post-match comments because it just doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah, one match. Okay, just a couple points dropped. Again, second place lost. So, uh, you know, we're still all right. Let's give it a few matches and see if Chelsea can bounce back in. Trust me, I don't think Conte is going to allow anything less than that. Um, all right, here it is. The main fight tonight. This is what everyone has been asking about. The title fight, the big prize. Modic v. Fabregas. It is alive and well, this discussion, Dan. Do you think Conte has found a good enough way to utilize Fabregas this season? And I say it that way because... I don't want to get into, do you play one versus the other? We've already agreed that Modic and Fabregas have very specific skill sets that they are both really, really good at. I've provided some stats to help if you would like to use them. But let's focus on, has Conte utilized Fabregas as well as we probably can this season? Um, given the desire to have a, a three, four, three formation for the majority of the time that we've been playing and, and playing successfully, I, I would say, yes, you know, I, I think that's where, you know, he has come in as a, you know, impact substitute and done extremely well. Um, and I think you kind of have some squawk of stats here and, you know, I think that, you know, actually it says that Maddich has done a better job with, you know, his, uh, pass completion, uh, which is, very funny, uh, especially after today, because I think that hopefully it's uh, it's updated with that information. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think like uh, Navaneeth off of Facebook made a comment about what we have started Fabregas in place of Manage, and you know, I, I think that you know that is becoming the 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 you know rote conversation every match is that we should start Fabregas over Manage or Manage shouldn't start over Fabregas um, for you know X number of reasons. You know, I think that Fabregas can't pace up the right way for a lot of those matches, and that Burnley midfield was pushing pushing people around. And and I think that even for the twenty to thirty minutes that you know he had a chance to impact the game, uh, he, he had a rough day at the office. It was not the best that we've seen since Fabregas. He had misplaced some long passes that you know could have potentially helped unlock that uh, stout Burnley defense. So I. I I think he has found the right way to use him. I think that today it, it was a tough day at the office for every player. And, and I, I don't think Sesk uh, or Matic w- was able to get the job done. So as we kind of continue this discussion, Nick, over to you, you know, usually when it comes to finding a way to get Fabregas involved, the discussion turns to changing the formation. You know, Dan just said, if we are looking to be successful in a three, four, three, then we've done the right thing. So I guess the question is, is that the best way to get Susk involved or are we looking to get him involved in every single match, not as a sub, therefore looking to completely change the formation that has gotten us to where we are? 
I mean, unless Sesk has dramatically changed his defensive game uh, this season, which you see glimmers of, but I mean, certainly not the full defensive player that Nemanja Matic is, then I mean, the, the formation thing is always going to be the question because you, you kind of worry about him in big games against big players. Um, just not having the defensive chops or positioning to uh, complement N'Golo Conte, who, you know, we'll get to in a bit. Uh, I think the, the three five two is always a good shout or whatever Brandon likes to call it. I, he has a very convoluted way of saying three five two, um, but uh, you know I, I think that's a good shout. I think that you uh, to maximize him though, you're going to have to start in that formation though, and, and you know not in the sixty sixth minute, which is like the earliest he's been on as a sub. So uh, you know I, I I don't know against you know, these hard matches away, you know, if, if this was the game, Nemanja Matic struggled with the physicality of this game. And I would guess that Sesk would have as well. Um, you know, Nemanja Matic got it in, got into it with Ashley Barnes again, Joey Barton, all these guys were kind of hard men for Burnley who kind of made a reputation of playing that way. I think Sesk would have struggled and maybe he wouldn't have, maybe he would have come in passed around him. But, you know, I think the, the formation does have to change if he starts the match um, against a, uh, top ten Premier League opponent. Well, you, you saw you saw Seth struggle though to to make the point for you, Nick. Wherein he came in and he, you know he was forced into to fouling uh, because he didn't have the pace to to keep up with a, a counterattack from Burnley. Uh, again, it was it was the right challenge to make, but you know he had lost the the pace of the defender or the attacker uh, defender turned attacker, and so he fouled him, uh, took the yellow card, and. But but it was he was not in pace with the game and not up to the the physicality. They were closing down really really quick the entire match. And again, it is a credit to Burnley and it is a credit to their their discipline that every time the ball was moving, uh, the the team really moved in unison. It was almost like there was a like a Dice was the the queen bee and then all his little bees were kind of floating in the right direction at the same time. So you know at bearded. Bard underscore asked on Twitter. It is always going to be a tough game, but wouldn't have starting Fabregas been a smart move when we had 71% possession. Nick talked about it a little bit just there. I don't know if he would have had 71% possession right. with Fabregas because he wouldn't have been able to tackle back and, and regain it. The other thing is this is a hindsight like comment. Well, yeah, if you're going to tell me, Hey, you're guaranteed 70% possession. Right. I would, I would love to put him in. So, like, I guess it's hard to know, right? Like what the best approach is. And I we can't reverse engineer this because it's impossible to know before the match starts how it's going to play out. So, you know, like, yes, would Fabregas help when we have a lot of possession? Like 100%, I agree. Everyone in the world would. Um, but, you know, Burnley was tough. It was a gritty match. That's the way they wanted it. They did something interesting, too. They really marked our wingbacks out of the game and tried to cut that off as a source of, um, you know, right. position and offense for us. So, you know, Nick, I guess, what, you know, when you hear it that way, like, I understand. But Dan put in the positions and passing map of us today. And unfortunately, <laughs> the SP Laqueta and David Luiz had the most touches on the field for Chelsea. Yeah, I, look, I, I think we can all say when you're looking at this map, and I think Brandon will probably post this in the show notes for everyone to see, so you can reference this when we London go through this. Podcast.com, check it out. 
big shout out to the website there. Um, <laughs> when you when you look at this, it is right side dominant. It is David Luiz who has Pilicueta to Conte to Hazard Costa. I mean, uh, Moses had a, a pretty good game, but you you look at Nemanja Matić who was kind of on an island by himself. He didn't have a great game today. No one's arguing that. Uh, I think he was probably our most poor performer in the in the first half, but. Again, Brandon's right. You can't reverse engineer this scenario. You can't. You can't. You're, you don't start a game with seventy percent possession unless you're Barca playing someone in the bottom tier of La Liga. Like it just doesn't work that way. So, uh, what what I would like to say on this too is, this was kind of a different game for Chelsea as well, where we usually have close to half of the possession or maybe even a little less, and we play a lot more on the counter, especially away from home. We had dominant possession, and sometimes this team gets in a rut when they attack where it's just the same thing over and over. And that's what I saw today, Brandon, more than anything. Yeah, it was, it was uh, difficult, obviously. I, you know, we can also point out that uh, it was snowing. It was, you know, that wintry mix kind of conditions that makes the ground a little bit hard and slippery at the same time. It's a weird kind of combination, but you know, I think that not, you know, to use the arsenal excuse that it was raining. So we lost, <laughs> <laughs> oh god it was snowing so we uh we sucked <laughs> yeah i'm just saying that obviously uh you know it, it it was just it was all things considered between burnley being you know gritty and, and having that for like a, a pitch to play on um it, it just makes it tricky but I, at the end of it right we just weren't clinical enough okay i'm gonna i'm gonna scroll up here real quick chelsea had 13 shots only two of them we're on target. It's not good enough. Thankfully, Chelsea have been scoring, you know, 50 plus percent of the shots that they've taken this season. And it just was not there today. You know, I think that that's probably the safe thing to say, Dan, is just it wasn't on. Yeah, it, it, almost like we were we're in second gear for a majority of the match and just really didn't find a way uh, to you know make the transition forward quick enough to. Uh, there were a lot of uh, chested passes that then had to be kind of played down into the ground. There was a lot of, uh, you know, whipping wins that made those crosses, you know, poor or kind of speeded up the balls. So, I mean, it really, it was just, it was a whole calamity of issues. Um, you know, in addition to, I think the, the strain of the season uh, started to take its toll on some of the, some of the legs of these players because uh, they did not look as sharp as they did maybe two or three matches ago. So just real quick in summary, uh, Nick, would you say that Sesk would have solved all the problems today over Modic? No, I, I, okay. I, can't, I can't say that convincingly. I think it's a really easy thing to look at the guy who doesn't play well and think that the sub would have automatically played better. But, you know, even what we saw from Sesk today, I couldn't convincingly say that. Dan, what about you? Uh, no, and, and I feel really bad uh, for Angolo Conte because he – deserve someone next to him that uh, can help elevate his game, which would be crazy to think about. Yeah, I can't can't process that. So uh, that's what we think about this. Obviously, it's going to be a big talking point. We understand that, and that's okay. But let us know again. Email us, londonisbluepodcast at gmail.com, or go ahead and hit us up on the old Twitter sphere, or even Facebook and Instagram. We're everywhere. Um. Last thing I just want to touch on real quick is uh, David Luiz had a tough day. 
And I'm talking about his recurring injury. It looked like he was in a lot of pain early in the match again. Uh, thankfully, he got through it. But Dan, I mean, how much longer can he make it this season playing under this much like pain and stress? I guess the real question, and it was, it's funny you mentioned that, because later on in the day, he had a, he gave us a Snapchat or Instagram story with uh, himself in a, uh, uh, a doctor's mask and uh, you know in the the scrubs and had a uh, kind of the um, syringe emoji so uh, maybe a cortisone shot or something incoming for him there but uh, you know he needs to make it at least another uh, eight potentially nine games um, because when you think about the math and you think about the fact that we we still have city to play um, which you know I, I feel like will probably uh, beat Bournemouth tomorrow but I, I would love to be proven wrong. Um, they are going to be pushing us to to excel and to you know win out results through the remainder of the season to to claim the title, which you know is what you should do if you want to win something. So I, I would say that uh, you just need to make eight or nine more matches, and then hopefully at that point we have uh, locked up the title and uh, we can put John Terry in there for some wonderful farewell matches and get Louise on some rehab uh, as soon as possible and uh, you know continue to. Uh, be very upset at uh, one Manchester City striker who is currently sitting on the bench um, for uh, for a terrible challenge. Nick, I mean, the guy seems to put in a shift every single match. Like we're not at he's not at fault for anything again today. But you know, without getting into the FA Cup preview, I mean, a good almost fourteen days off will probably do him a world of just recovery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he needs it. He deserves it. And if if he can't play the following match either, you know, depending on what the syringe deal today was, um, then then give him the time off. You know, I he's been a warrior. We can cope for a match or two without him. Um, we can't cope that much more than that though. So you, know, you definitely want him back in the squad. You, you just hate to see him limp around like that because you know when he's not hurt that he's a physical specimen, that he is as athletic as any center back in the Premier League, and that's including Virgil van Dyke. And, you know, you you know how Willie's played this year, which is just – it makes you so angry when you think about the um, the Sergio Aguero tackle. So, uh, you know, I, I, get well, David Luiz. You are a, uh, a true uh, warrior, as uh, Antonio Conte called him this week. And uh, I, I just really, you know, hope that – you know, we get Zuma or Ake to step up in his day. So as it stands, uh, David, Luiz, David Luiz has 21 appearances, one goal. And with him, we are 16 wins, three losses, uh, two draws. He has zero own goals and zero errors leading to a goal. Obviously, he has had a fantastic uh, season so far and is the absolute anchor of this team. So again, uh, a really good time for him to get a ton of time off and some more rehab. Um, but I think we definitely want to keep our eye on his Instagram and Snapchat stories to make sure he's uh, getting that R&R, that rest and relaxation. Uh, right, here we go. True or false time, bringing it back. Conte will use this result to refocus the players and jumpstart another win streak uh, of at least three matches. Pretty much, Will we go in another win streak leading up to the city match, Nick? Uh, I mean, I think the any time that the game plan doesn't go to 100% satisfaction for Antonio Conte is a chance to jumpstart the players. You know, I would, 
I, I kind of envision him <laughs> and maybe this is just kind of sick and twisted, but I kind of envision him running around the training pitch with a taser and just shocking people if they aren't doing what, it, what they're supposed to be doing. Um, he'd, he'd be a bastard to work for, but you know, he would be just incredible uh, to, to grow under. And I, I would guarantee, especially with these young guys who, you know, we'll get into the preview of, of the FA cup match coming up, but you know, for these young guys that, you know, they are going to want to impress him to get a chance to play on the weekend. So I think there will be a total and collective refocus. He was not happy at the end of this match, Dan, uh, and really saw it as a points dropped. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, true that uh, he will. And, and then I'm also going to double down on a uh, true or false. Uh, true, there will be no more extended vacations for players for the remainder of the season. Uh, throwing that out to uh, the Thibaut Courtois trip around the world. Uh, I mean, credit uh-huh. credit for some uh, some amazing saves this season. You know, well-earned time off. Uh, trip to New York, trip to Houston. Um, uh, you know, to see some great sporting events, but ultimately, uh, I, I think those are going to be postponed until uh, the league is locked up, as they say. Honestly, I can't believe you stole that from me. I was so excited to talk about that. Is like my thing that I wasn't telling you guys about because <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was so funny that Arlo White brought that up. Though I was like, it was a Carmen San Diego moment, and it was just like, where in the world is Thibaut Courtois? I thought it was a really <laughs> funny. Moment. But it's not even that, you know. Like Antonio Conte himself went to Italy. Uh, Cesc Fabregas was hanging out with Messi and PK back in Spain. You know, a lot of people again took time off and and went places. And you know, I think Courtois is probably the the like the excessive example in this situation. But for me, you know, it just goes all right. Hey, maybe it was just a little too much. Like I might give you three two days off, three days off but you need to stay in England kind of a thing. Like there's going to be some restrictions because that's the way Conte is. So I'm going to say true as well. He's going to, you know, tighten the belt just a little bit and say, Hey, we need to get these results, create some breathing room for ourselves. And then we can have an awesome summer apparently in Asia. That was a a reference to Chelsea's upcoming summer tour. So if you didn't know they're playing Arsenal in the bird's nest in the middle of July, at Chelsea in China in July. All right. There's, um, there's no way that's going to be hot, by the way, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> um, that'll just be one more talking point for Arsenal fan TV. But any other thoughts on this match, gentlemen? Uh, you know, we pretty much covered, I think, the big talking points we pulled out of social media from everything our listeners and um, other followers were talking about. But yeah, Dan, I mean, anything else that we should touch on we might have missed? I know that we're going to get into the man of the match poll that, that Nicholas ran and got some flack for again, which you know, <laughs> seems to be par for the course on a weekly basis. But uh, the official Premier League man of the match was Michael Keane. And we were talking before the show about just uh, how dominant of a performance he put into gay against some of the best attackers in the Premier League and has continued to do so actually for almost the entirety of the season. And it's very easy to see why, uh, you know, a couple of our friends, you know, Simon Johnson, Dan Levine have reported uh, that Keane is, uh, you know, has been on the list of uh, players that Chelsea has been looking into. So uh, no, no surprise on that one. He would be a great addition to, he was immense today, Brandon. I don't want to talk about it. Let's go ahead and talk about your man of the match poll instead. <laughs> Do we have to? Um... So, so here's my thing, you know, obviously, you know, we talk about this every single week. There's only four options, but I have a platform that I've helped build. So why isn't Courtois in here? He made tons of saves. 
um, because he took a trip to the America. I don't know. Um, because, <laughs> because I always get it wrong and I'm just an idiot probably. Uh, so your four options this week, uh, which were all apparently wrong, um, were Pedro and Golo Conte, David Luiz and Victor Moses. Uh, got a lot of flack for Dave not being in there over Louise, although Louise still got 24% of our vote. So I'm kind of like, where are these people as Moses, I guess, shouldn't have been in there, but I thought he was great. Um, so whatever. Um, and Golo Conte won, won this going away, uh, almost 60% of the vote. He was tremendous again. This is like the fourth match in a row where I legitimately don't know if I've ever seen someone play his position better. And uh, he's he's just immense. So congratulations to our man of the match, Golo Conte. The, the man that Lester is, is most certainly missing at this point in their lives. Oh, oh boy. Sarah. So, uh, I think that I think the good news for you, Nick, is knowing that if someone gets sixty percent of the vote, it really didn't matter who the other three were. That was always going to be the winner. But you know, you got to let people gripe about something every now and then. People love to gripe. That's what I've learned from this weekend. Okay. Well, you know, the good news that you can't gripe about is that Chelsea are still top of the table. 25 matches played. The only team left to play are City and Bournemouth. Uh, we're back to undefeated run in our form. Three wins, two draws, and a healthy goal difference of 34. No one else, um, you know, is really knocking on that door. Tottenham are six behind us, but six is kind of a lot to make up. We're at 60 points. Tottenham are in second on 50, tied with Arsenal, also on 50. Fourth place is Liverpool, making the big jump back into the top four on 49 points, squeaking out City uh, on goal difference, who are also on 49 points, but they have to play on Monday. And then United just kind of lurking in the shadows. Do you? So have you guys seen the all the United sixth place stuff that's come out over the last, you know? Oh, it's so good. <laughs> few months. My favorite one that came out today, and, you know, this is just like, daily making fun of United stuff was a puppy trying to go up a slide, but always falling back down. And the caption was United trying to get out of sixth place, like puppy <laughs> sliding down. It was so yeah. great. And it's probably better than that. Uh, Arsenal uh, Gunners rap that uh, made the way around oh. the interwebs today. Oh God. They're just terrible. Yeah. Oh. Think about this. You could be rooting for a team that is in uh, third place. So overachieving, uh, has uh, Arsenal Fan TV associated with it uh, and also just had one of the worst fan rap videos of all time circulate the internet. Or you could be rooting for Chelsea, who had a draw today against one of the best home defenses in the league uh, and then realize that you complained about it on uh, Twitter or Facebook. You know, just to reemphasize, the recurring statistic that Antonio Conte has said in his pre-match press conference and his post-match press conference, that if you take home, for, home form only, Burnley are third in the table behind Chelsea and Tottenham. So with that being said, let's go ahead and take our first break for World Soccer Shop, and then we're going to come back with your social media questions. Here we go. Hey, Dan, if you wanted to get fast checkout, uh, you know, let's say at worldsoccershop.com, uh, how would you go ahead and do that? Uh, I would I would build a profile. Okay, so if you were to build a profile, does that mean you actually have to, like, build something with hammer and nails and it's very complicated, like Ikea furniture? No, this this isn't a flat pack, man. It's not even a, you know, a Lego master build or anything like that. You just go right to the top right-hand corner. 
you, know, you click in a few bits of information there, it makes it super easy to track your orders, to uh, create a wish list for things like that, to uh, check you know your kind of you know, status for, for things you get. It's, it's super simple, it's super easy, uh, and it really takes less than two minutes to do. So yeah, if you uh, would, would be so kind, go to worldsoccershop.com, click build a profile, it's super quick, and then, uh, then go purchase yourself something new for, for doing something good. Super simple Chelsea fans, just like when you tweet at us your questions. So right away, the first one up. Um, wow, at Bearded Bard underscore two, two appearances in one show. They ask, is it safe to say most teams will try to do the same as Burnley? How do we break them down? So Dan, you know, obviously you're the the you know mathematician of the team. How do you break it down? Walk us through it. Well, I, I don't think necessarily that every team is going to try that. And I think certain teams will. I think Swansea, when they come to visit, I think Watford, uh, Palace, um, you know, Southampton, Middlesbrough, Sunderland. I mean, that's you know, some of the remaining uh, home fixtures we have. You know, but when we kind of go away, you look at you know playing against United, playing against uh, you know uh, City, even when they visit, like there, there's going to be matches that are going to where they're going to bring the attack to to us, and it's going to be a little bit more free flowing. So I, I would look for the what we would typically call the smaller sides or teams uh, outside the top six to you know maybe model this form, but they also need a really disciplined back forward to make this work. And you know, what you saw with Burnley is that they made it very compact and they forced crosses in and made it so that there was really no one there to even, you know, sniff the cross. And uh, that takes discipline. And I'm looking at some of the sides there. Crystal Palace does not have that discipline. Uh, West Ham does not have that discipline. Uh, Bournemouth after taking away Aki does not have that discipline. So there's a couple teams on here that you think might try to play that way. I just just so I know if they have the personnel or the, the tactical acumen to actually play that way. At N Nathan Allen twenty asks, is it time to switch up to a three five two or a three five one one? Nick, as being the tactical expert you are on the team, which is it? Um, you know, to kind of follow up on the last question, because I think they both kind of um, intertwine a little bit. Uh, I think in our in our last two draws, which you know people have freaked out about, uh, we've scored the first goal, right? So. Uh, you know, I think there's there's just a, uh, you know, a little bit of a struggle to get the second goal. So, like, I, I think as a secondary option, going to a 3-5-2 is really intriguing to me. Um, you know, but I, I still think we're starting off these matches pretty well. And, you know, we have Pedro, Costa, Hazard as, as our front three. So, to sacrifice one of those for the start of a game seems a little crazy to me. So... Uh, maybe, you know, second half or if we're really playing bad in the first half. But, you know, I, I still think that 343 is is where we're going to live through the end of the year. It has taken us this far. Uh, I think it can probably get us over the edge. Uh, at Matt James Mack asks, can we get a side shout out? I'm sorry. Wow. Can we get a shout out to Aspie? He was excellent. And if you think about it, not much happened down his side, Dan. You know, we kind of did did mention this a little bit earlier in the man of the match poll that we don't want to revisit. But, I mean, what did you think as far as, you know, how he played today? He took an early elbow to the face. Uh, he, seemed, he seemed to bounce back, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And the, uh, 
the challenger decided to wipe the blood away real quick <laughs> just to not draw the foul um, or not draw a card. Yeah, Azpilicueta was brilliant. Uh, he has been a brilliant contributor this entire season and you know, almost had a goal. I mean, he, he was really close on that outside-the-box attempt. And, you know, it, it's it's kind of sad almost that, you know, our midfield uh, does not include someone willing to or able to uh, make a shot of that nature. But the, the challenge for Aspilicueta and, and everyone else trying to get crosses or passes in the box today is that it, it was like a missile defense system that Burnley had set up and everything that was getting lobbed in was getting knocked down or knocked away before it had a, a chance to even look at land. Dude has been rock solid pretty much ever since he joined. Um, at Devil Dan 9 asks, uh, side note, date David Alaba should be our big buy next year. Perfection for a 3-4-3. Got to go back to the tactic expert, Nick. I I mean, I love David Alaba. He's tremendous. Um, he's going to be expensive, and I'm not sure that Byron want to get rid of him. So, uh, you know, the summer stuff will happen in the summer. I, th- I think it is a good shout. Uh, you know, as as competition for um, probably Alonzo or, you know, but, you know, I still think that we're in a good spot through the end of the year with that and with, uh, with Nathan Ake. All right. Last one from Stephen Clark on Facebook. Man, just going to divide all Chelsea fans with this question. He says, was it one point gained or two points lost, Dan? Yeah, I'm gonna go with it. It's a it's a point gain. Um, you know, you look at where where we are in the table, and you you have to look down, and uh, you can't look up because uh, we're we're at the ceiling. So, and to me, anytime you can have points in, especially again, tough tough away trip. I, I don't think you can bang the drum on that one enough. Is that Burnley is tough at home? So that to me is a point, especially after the point that Nick made too that you know we were pretty much destined to have a little bit of a down spell after playing two extremely tough matches uh, away to Liverpool and then home to Arsenal. Actually, wait, sorry, that was, that was one tough match. And then, one tough uh, match. Yep. Yeah, one tough match. After playing one really tough match um, <laughs> and then having to play another 90 minutes before playing this match away, um, you know, really, you know, it was, was, was a bit of an extra competition. You know, uh, Thibaut Courtois said in the post-match interviews, it was definitely a point earned. Um, Nick, on the flip side, Conte says it's normal to be disappointed with the loss. Which side of the fence are you on? I mean, we, we didn't offer that much in the second half. I can't say conclusively that we should have won this game uh, based on the performance we put out there. So I'm going to just say it's one point gained and move on. All right, we'll go ahead just to stir the pot then. I will go ahead and take the side of two points lost simply because, not overthinking it, we were winning one nothing and we blew the lead. It was not that simple, but I'm going to go ahead and just leave it at that. Let us know what you guys think on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email. As always, we will retweet and reply uh, as long as uh, it's a good, good, thoughtful response we're happy to all right let's go ahead and talk about the lampard contest one more time before we look ahead to our fa cup match versus wolves here we go dan i really want a frank lampard jersey do you know how i can get one well you you'll have to pay for one but if you're a listener of our show 
uh, you can enter a contest for running with worldsoccershop.com. Great opportunity to win a Frank Lampard jersey. Uh, you know, our, our links to sign up for it are on londonsbluepodcast.com, on our Twitter account at londonbluepod, on our Instagram account at londonbluepod, uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, you click the link, you put in your name, you put in your email, you, you do one of those capture things with the crazy letters and numbers and lines and, and swiggles. Uh, but once you do that, you, you put yourself in to enter and win a, a Lampard jersey, which would be fantastic. So you should go do that right now. I don't know why you're still listening to me. You should pause it. We'll be here when you get back. Um, enter and then come back and listen to the rest of our, uh, our podcast here. Well, it seems like... You just got back from a quick pause, so we just want to welcome you back. Appreciate you for signing up for this phenomenal giveaway. I mean, we've done the Mikel, the Ivanovich, and now an actual retired legend of the club, Super Frank Lampard. In case you forgot, we are heading into part three, which is the match preview. Going to be looking at our matchup with the Wolves. FA Cup match headed over to the Molyneux Stadium this coming Saturday on February 18th. So as we kind of look at this, Nick, Wolves are coming off a loss versus Newcastle. Newcastle are at the very top of the championship table with Rafa Benitez at the helm. And, you know, they lost one nothing. actually had more possession. Nothing crazy kind of happened. But if we look at it holistically, Wolves are down in 18th of the championship, not exactly riding a win streak or having an, a season to talk about. No, but they did beat Liverpool. And to that, I say, bravo, sirs, bravo. Um, doing, the, doing God's work. Right. right. Uh, the FA Cup is, is really where they're going to, you know, kind of make or break their season. So I think they're putting a lot of effort into the cup competition, uh, and also trying to not be relegated, uh, that would be good for them as well. Um, although there's some work to do all the way down at the bottom. Uh, Wigan, oh man, remember when they won the FA Cup? That seems like ages ago. Um, yeah, the, look, Wolves are are not the best side we're going to play this year. So uh, when you when you kind of look at it in totality, um, you know I think that they're going to be tough at home. This is going to be their biggest game of the year, Dan. I mean, it's probably something to look out for. Yeah, you know, I think we probably will not see as many rotations as we would typically. You know, you look at the last two FA match, uh, you know, cup matches that we played, nine rotations of players in each match. I don't know if it's that heavy, you know, but we talked about earlier in the podcast, you know, David Luiz's injury, you know, he probably gets an opportunity to rest. Hazard probably gets an opportunity for some rest. Um, you know, maybe Costa, you know, starts, but then gets pulled a little bit, uh, you know, kind of midway through or, uh, you know, 60, 70 minutes in, uh, you know, but I, I think, you will see less rotational players because it's an important competition. And, you know, I, I don't think, you know, Conte is a man to to sleep on one competition in spite of another. Thankfully, though, those rotations have carried us. You know, last time we played Wolves, it was back in uh, 2012, is in the EFL Cup. We won 6 nothing. So I think we can just wrap it up and say we'll win 6 nothing. I mean, it's that simple. Good preview. There we go. All right. All right. No, but honestly, you know, uh, Wolves, literally, they're like winning, losing, winning, losing every season. Nothing too crazy. Uh, statistically, their best players are defenders. Uh, Nick, obviously, for us, our best players are attackers. And that's just because Wolves spend a lot of time defending and Chelsea spend a lot of time attacking. 
Yep. I mean, this will be kind of a clash of styles again, kind of like Burnley. So, you know, again, I think we're we're looking at this as kind of an opportunity to maybe try some new tactics, maybe look at the formation a little differently. You know, if they're going to start Sesk, is it as part of a 3-5-2? Are we trying to go in there and break them down early and, and then switch it up? You know, are we going to um, switch up the midfield and give the Energizer Bunny a break? You know, I think there's just a lot of variables that are going to head into this match that – uh, depending on how the the week of training goes, uh, that will, will determine uh, how the outcome is on Saturday. the The thing that I'm looking at, I think more than anything, is you know guys like Nathaniel Shaloba and uh, maybe Ake and uh, William and Fabregas really coming in and, and showing up, showing that they can uh, they can do it both on the FA Cup front and on the uh, Premier League front, and really pushing our starters uh, for playing time. Dan, it's kind of interesting when you look at the team characteristics of Wolves. Uh, they like to play long balls. They attacked on the right, which would be the Marco Alonso, Gary Cahill side. Uh, they Their opponents play them aggressively. Uh, they like to rotate their first love, and they're an aggressive team. Unfortunately, here are their weaknesses. They can't keep possession. They cannot defend against skillful players. They cannot avoid individual errors. And worst of all, they can't stop fouling in dangerous areas does that that mean we have to play hazard because if we keep hazard on the pitch there'll be a penalty and then we'll be able to convert the penalty i mean (laughs) (laughs) ultimately to me like this is a game uh, that we should win you know i think we we did you know uh you know kind of come out strong against you know the idea that chelsea has an ordained right uh, to win that is not the case uh, in most competitions, um, you know, and even on a, an odd day on a away trip, uh, this could be a loss. But I, I do think, given the quality of our side, uh, who our manager is, and and the youth players that will get injected, which I think would be an Ake, which I think would be a Chaloba, and I think would be a Ruben Loftus Cheek, uh, I, I think we we should comfortably win this game, um, probably in the the, the, the two nil. Uh, 3-1 kind of spectrum if we concede. Well, that is a good transition because I was actually about to ask both of you, who are three people that you're expecting to see off the bench in this match? And it sounds like Dan just said Ake, Shalaba, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Nick, who who do you think is going to make some appearances? Uh, I bet Mishi plays. I bet Zuma plays. Um and then a third, because Dan took the really easy ones. Well, uh, I, I, gave, I gave you one before we recorded that I thought would get some minutes, because he also got minutes last time. Perhaps your your Kennedy pick? Is that who you're talking about? I think Kennedy also could get some get some shouts for a, uh, a, a left-hand attacking side option. He's definitely not a wingback. Uh, <laughs> definitely not a wingback. He is an attacker. And uh, yeah, maybe he helps uh, get uh, Eden a little rest. Maybe he's the skillful player we need to get a penalty. <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and steal the easiest of the easiest and say Begovic is going to start. Uh, and then, yeah, Sesk, we did, you know, Sesk will start. It's all right. It'll be good. It'll be good to see. Uh, but we want to hear also what you guys think the lineup is going to be. Uh, we've got some time. Uh, we're going to do some lineup predictions. Obviously, we'll do the Jay Heal prediction on Facebook. If you aren't there, check it out, London Blue Pod on Facebook. Uh, we have a really awesome group going there, and Jay does a fantastic job posting about 
uh, score predictions before every match. So uh, with that being said, I think we have covered the Wolves quite extensively. Let us know what you're looking forward to most about playing Wolves, lineup rotation, ton of goals, getting through the next round of the FA Cup. A lot of cool stuff going on for Chelsea right now. Again, it's not all gloom and doom. So with that being said, Chelsea fans, let's go ahead and wrap this episode up with some final thoughts. Uh, Dan, what do you have for everyone? Uh, You know, uh, we have a a great lead on the table right now. And, uh, you know, I I just don't want us to uh, Atlanta Falcons it, uh, as it were. You know, uh, that that would be bad. So uh, let's uh, let's keep on winning. Let's uh, have a great run to the end of the season, uh, because as you maybe may or may not be aware, uh, the last couple times the Patriots have won the Super Bowl, Chelsea has gone on to win the Premier League. So this could just be another moment of fate that is unfolding for what is going to happen in May. All right. Well, that was uh, that was, was pretty special, wasn't it? Right? Yeah, really I, special. That was mm. Nick. Uh, I'm going to let you follow that up. Yeah, I just vomited in my mouth a bit. Um, I think the uh, the main thing I'm looking at this week is just kind of a recharge. Um, this group has a lot to play for. Still in two competitions, um, looking strong in both. You know, I, I just I would hope that the leaders on the team kind of regroup everyone uh, because it can't just be Conte all the time. You know, it has to be JT, it has to be Cahill, it has to be Louise and Dave and you know Costa to to kind of center the team and you know work through some of the challenges that are going on and and i think that's fair so uh i'm not i'm not without criticism for this team uh but how mad can you be i mean that's that's what i go back to all the time after last year i can't be mad about much so um let's just uh keep the positivity rolling Absolutely. That is what we are about at the London is blue podcast is supporting the team, not crying wolf too early in the season and just loving every moment of this. This season has been fantastic. You know, we're not going to set the record for most days in first place, but as long as you're in first at the end of the season, that's the only thing that matters. So with that being said, Chelsea fans until next time, you know what to do. Keep that blue flag flying high. All right, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Don't panic, though, as we'll be back after Chelsea's next match. So to be sure you don't miss it, subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at LondonBluePod. Until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.